0: Hi, this is Betsy. Welcome to the Tend Her Wild podcast. We are really excited to have a live guest in the studio with us today. She is an integral part of the Tend Her 2.0 program. We have Monica Basile here. Welcome, Monica. Yeah, we're super happy to have her. Monica is a certified professional midwife. You've been doing that how many years, Monica? Um, I've been a midwife since 2012. Since 2012. And I've been a doula since...
1: 20 no since 1997 do you know how many babies you've delivered have you kept count um I think somewhere in the four to five hundreds wow okay
0: but there's more she's more than just a (laughs) midwife she's also a reiki master and teacher and I know she's really good at that because I've been the recipient she's a licensed massage therapist and she's an amazing visual artist um, and in fact, if you are in the Tend Her 2.0 program, you got a journal with her amazing artwork on it. We'll actually put a picture of that journal in the show notes as well. So Monica has 25 years of experience as a healer, midwife and educator, and she is really passionate about helping people experience beauty, enchantment, connection to the earth and inner peace through honoring the seasonal and cyclical transformations of life She, drawing on her ongoing herbal studies and lifelong connection with plants. Her art practice currently focuses on botanical illustrations as meditations on the spiritual material interconnectedness between humans and ecosystems. We're going to tell you in a moment where you can look at her beautiful work. Monica is a mother. She's a longtime yoga and meditation practice practitioner and she believes and i would say embodies and lives every day the power of gentle compassion the wisdom of the body and the light within all beings. Yes. Yay, welcome Monica. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, one of my favorite humans on this planet. Oh, so, it's so good to have Thank a conversation. You so we are thrilled
2: that you are the one talking about intuition and in attend her 2.0 program, because I cannot think of someone who embodies t- intuition and is so connected with that other than you, 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 you just, you walk the walk. So, mm, thank um, you. would you kind of share with us? We always love to, to understand our guests first 10 years, because we know that there's a lot that is, we, shapes us during that time. And, And that shows up later in life so what were your first
1: 10 years like what could you share with us Mm -hmm. yeah i have really beautiful memories of that time of my life um i was born in illinois and um, my family moved to rural virginia when i was i think two years old so a lot of that formative time in my life um, i lived in virginia and honestly my biggest memories from that time you know other than my family, is actually memories of the plants in my life, memories of the trees in our yard, the flowers. Um, and so, you know, I really like that, that point of time for me, um, I have a lot of memories of being outside, sitting in, sitting in the pine tree on the side of our yard. And um my mom being frustrated that she couldn't get the sap out of my hair, <laughs> um, you know, going outside with my brother and just, you know, running around swinging from the branches of the weeping willow tree in my neighbor's house. Um, but I had these relationships with all of the different, uh, plants and flowers and they, they, they really felt like my, my friends, they felt like my family, um, in a really strong way. And, um, I actually remember, I think maybe you've both heard this story before. I was, I was just I thinking about this story. I'm Me like, too. I hope she
2: tells this one.
1: <laughs> well, one I of think my, I know where you're going. Um, yes, I think this was probably my first act of rebellion in my life. Um, I, I So I used to get really upset when my dad would mow the lawn. And I just felt like this, you know, I felt in my body this sense of just like pain and Despair, like suffering, um, and just sadness when he would mow the lawn because I really was like, you know, feeling for all of the clovers and all of the wild strawberries, and like, oh, it just hurt me. Like, it really, really upset me. And, um, So there was this one time when I decided, like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna save these clovers. (laughs) And I, I picked a bunch of little clover flowers and hid them in my room. And I waited until everyone had fallen asleep in the middle of the night. And I went back outside. I remember I had to, like, climb up on a chair <laughs> to unlock the door to oh the outside. Goodness. And I was, like, balancing this little cup of water to, like, water these plants that I, I took back outside and replanted these little clovers. Oh. And I just, I felt so protective of them. And, you know, I mean, no one was trying to, like, intentionally harm them. But I just felt so much um, affinity for these little these little plants. So... Um, That was kind of a formative event Mm. for me. Um, You know, that was like, I'm going to, um, I'm going to care for these, Mm. these little babies that, you know, someone else is mowing down.
0: Well, and that connection to earth, which just knowing you for so long, it's in you, 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 I know you love being in nature, but you also carry a very beautiful earth energy within you, Mm -hmm. which is actually why I think you feel really safe and steady and why I actually can see how that's been such a benefit to having you as a midwife or a doula is that you, you bring a very safe, grounded energy with you.
1: Mm, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I believe that we all are that, you know, yeah. we, we are all part of the earth, um, you know, and that's not just like fluffy language. Like <laughs> that is like physical reality. Yeah. Um, And I think that's, you know, part of what's so beautiful to me about working with plants and being with plants is that they are kind of examples. You know, they haven't forgotten how to just be part of the earth. Um, They haven't forgotten how to just live their essence. And so I think that is one of the ways in which they can really teach us. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: How did you move then?
2: Like, what happened to kind of inspire you to become a doula and then
1: eventually a midwife? What mm-hmm. What experiences in life kind of drew you there? Yeah. So when I was about thirteen, I well, I I grew up um, as a part of a really progressive Lutheran church. Um, so we had we had two pastors, a male and a female pastor um and they um our one of our pastors had like marched with Dr Martin Luther King like it was this really beautiful environment and i should also say about my childhood that you know i was raised by feminists you know my mom was a feminist and my dad you know i suppose would identify that way too so you know i was raised with feminist anti-racist values my dad worked with people with disabilities as part of his work as a recreation therapist and professor of recreation therapy and a wheelchair basketball coach. So like I just um, I I was raised um, to really accept other people and and myself, you know, I wasn't raised with a lot of body shame. Um, and so I, you know, I, I went into my teenage years in the 1980s, you know, with with this kind of feminist perspective on life. And I was raised in this progressive church. And so I was at a book sale for our church and I picked up two books that really radically changed my life. Um, and I think that these books came directly from our pastor's personal libraries, but um, one of them was Zen Mind Beginner's Mind uh, by Shunu Suzuki. And the other one was The Politics of Women's Spirituality by Starhawk. Mm. And um, I just remember both of these books um, really, just having a profound effect on me. So, you know, I started practicing meditation based upon uh, Zen Mind Beginner's Mind, which is such a beautiful book. Um, And then through reading Starhawk, um, I started to learn about, you know, the history of um, women's oppression throughout time, and really sort of came to see how, you know, the 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 locus of women's oppression has had everything to do with their reproductive bodies. Mm. And, you know, of course, the way that that has manifested has everything to do with, you know, race and class and nationality and sexuality and all of these other things that women is not a monolithic category. But as I started learning about the midwives and the herbalists and the healers, I just felt really drawn to that. Mm. And, you know, I kind of realized, okay, if this has been the locus of our oppression, like this must also be the locus of our liberation. Wow. So beautiful.
0: So I I was really interested in that for a really long time. At the young age of 13. I've always said this about Monica. She's She's like this old soul who (laughs) she and I have compared different life notes. And I'm always like, Monica, you're like 20 years ahead of me (laughs) in terms of her thinking. I love that at 13, she's reading Starhawk. I mean, I think I was... Forty when I first started to read, and, Star and really
2: an early it. adopter, meditator. I mean, you yeah. were really, uh, yeah early adoption yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I and I mean, and you grew up sounds like an environment that just allowed you the ability to explore these things and talk about them openly and be you. Absolutely um, supportive, very um, educated environment too. So learning, I feel like learning for you
1: is really big, like Mm -hmm. seeking knowledge and understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I remember it was kind of in that, you know, in that time frame that a lot of my peers were um, starting to shave their legs. And I remember just thinking, like, I don't want to do this. You know, Mm -hmm. this is like, why are the why aren't the boys shaving their legs? Like, No, like this is, this is not fair. Like, and I don't Mm want to participate. And you know, I remember my mom just being like, great, you know, yeah, you don't have to do that. Um, so, and I mean, gosh, I, you know, everyone made fun of me like so, you know, so much in junior high and high school for the choices that I made around, you know, my body and my clothing and all of that. But, um,
0: I, I was very much supported in just being who I was. And how do you think you stuck to that? So I'm imagining you as a teenage young woman who's, you know, teenage, those years are tend to be ones where we feel very insecure and you're choosing to really stay with your own instinct and mm-hmm. what felt right to you and yet getting teased. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like you did stay true to yourself during those times mm-hmm. and stay strong? Yeah, I mean... I
1: think I had a small group of friends, you know, who were also like the nonconformists and the rebels. And, you know, I was friends with the art kids at school. And um, I remember, um, you know, the the group of friends that I hung out with, we started like a peace studies group at school. I was also involved in this local organization called Youth for Peace. And so we would do like benefits for the homeless shelter and, um, you know, do Uh, protests uh, around, you know, um, racist acts of police brutality and things like that, that, you know, were happening and unfortunately continue to happen. But um, so I think, I think a big part of it actually was that I had a world that was not just my high school. Um, I was involved in, you know, I, I played music in a band like I was just involved with other people and other things. And so like for a lot of people, when they talk about their teenage years, it's, you know, all about their their high school experience. And for me, that was sort of like, oh, yeah, school was just the thing that I went to yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Can we just
2: acknowledge that this rebels in high school, They're such they're actually the ones that are most connected to their own essence, yeah. the wild ones, the ones that are that are so truly authentic and yet, they're the outcast, the rebel. Um, we've had other guests where
0: we've talked about those that really bucked the system early, the system right? Early. Like you saw early, early that there's something misaligned yeah. or unbalanced with this system, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to align with it. And right. having the courage yeah. to be who you were
1: mm-hmm. amidst
0: that system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such a good insight, Kate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, I also was just I was really hungry for knowledge about things that they were not teaching in school, you know. And so I I used to skip school in order to walk to the public library downtown and sit and like look for books on Mm. like folklore and ethnobotany and all of these (laughs) things that I wanted to find out more about. So, yeah, I, you know, it, it wasn't that I didn't want to learn things. I yeah. very much wanted to learn things, but I, I wanted to learn other things. Forget
0: calculus and yeah. history. Give me the ethno <laughs> yes. biology and yeah. Follow, following yeah. your passion. for. What so you are a lifelong learner. I mean, I know this about you and I would love for, because what I see about you is you have such a depth of knowledge about a lot of things. Reproductive rights. You have a PhD in women's studies, gender, women's gender, sexuality. Women's sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this deep study of body work and energy work, plant medicine. You just like, <laughs> so you have breadth, but you also have depth is, what I, is how I would say it. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do they all tie together? Because I feel like you have done a really powerful way of sort of bringing all of these things together. Mm-hmm. That's a hard question. Ooh, she just like, is a that's hard scene. question to throw that one
1: at me. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, that's something that people have asked me a lot over the years. And I mean, I guess they tie together, I guess, because they just all live within me, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I mean, you asked about early experiences that brought me into um, being interested in birth work. And, you know, some of that. So, you know, Starhawk and and thinking about you know, the midwives and the healers, you know, from time immemorial has been a part of that. But then giving birth, you know, was a big part of that as well. And as a teenager, just out of high school, um, I I was at sort of a crossroads point in my life, I wanted to become an artist. And I actually got a full scholarship to an art school to San Francisco Art Institute. So I was kind of trying to make that decision. And I had moved in with Uh, my boyfriend at the time and shortly thereafter I found that I was pregnant and so it was it was a big crossroads point in my life and I had this intuitive experience actually Mm. of trying to decide whether to continue with my pregnancy and I was sitting out one night and looking at the full moon and in the moon I saw a fetus I saw like my, you know, my child. And, um, I just, I knew that I, I knew that I had to bring him into the world. Um, and so I chose to do that and, you know, and then my relationship that I was in, you know, was actually with someone who was physically and emotionally abusive. So there were a lot of complicating factors in my pregnancy, but I chose to work with a midwife who attended births at home and I chose to have a home birth. And it was an incredibly empowering experience, and it gave me the strength to leave that relationship. And another thing that happened within that relationship was that this person um, destroyed a lot of my artwork as a way to hurt me. And so just thinking about, like, those life experiences, having a home birth, and then single parenting, you know, for my son's first Mm -hmm. eight years, and you know just trying to find my way in the world um like i don't think there's any way to separate out for me my work as an artist my connection with plants my connection with reproductive justice um my connection with activism yeah. you know all of these things kind of weave together and then and then with healing you know and i feel like for myself you know i I had such a profound, uh, healing journey myself, you know, recovering from the abuse of that relationship, learning to love and value myself again. Um, learning to just live as, as a single parent in the mid nineties when there was a Mm. lot of, you know, there's a lot of political debate around that time about like single Mm. parents and the welfare state and all of this stuff. So, yeah, like, how do I bring those all together? I don't know. Like, I don't know how I would separate them
0: apart. They're all part of you. But don't you think intuition was a part of this, too? Because you have been just even hearing the beginning of your story, a kid totally in touch with the earth and the plants, which is, you know, that's where we find our intuition is when we're in touch with Mm -hmm. the planet, with the earth, with our body. Absolutely. And so here's a young girl who was already tuned in. And you just, I really sense that all these different pieces of your life you were intuitively drawn to.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when my son was little, um, Reiki came into my life when mm-hmm. when he was about a year old. So that was early too. Yeah. That would have been like nineteen. Early adapter. She's yes, always been she an is. early adapter. You are. I just, you know, I've been... I've been fortunate enough to have been in the right place in the right time and meet the right people. You know, in all of intuition, these intuition, intuition. But so receptive, Monica. Yeah. Lots of people get those things float by those
2: opportunities, but you were you're so receptive, mm-hmm. and yeah. and you continue to be an explorer. So all these gifts show up for you, and you're you're ready to receive them.
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, I think that. Um, I think that a big part of connecting with intuition is just being open and curious. Um, and that curiosity, I mean, I remember, um, my friend, my roommate at the time, I, I would live, was living with another single mom and we, we ran a home daycare together and mm. I was working as a life drawing model. And, um, so it was this, this really cool time of life actually in many ways, but, um, my this friend that I lived with, um, she was gonna have someone come into town to do a Reiki, Reiki training. And I was like, hmm, okay, like I don't know what this is, but she was also a massage therapist, I think. And, you know, she was really interested in body work and energy work. And so I was like, Yes, like I will be trained in Reiki. That sounds great. And some of the healing experiences that I had during that training, and then, you know, when you become attuned to Reiki, Reiki One is all about healing the self. And um, so that was just a tremendous gift to me to receive, um, you know, that attunement to Reiki healing at that point in my
0: life. Would you take us into, because I feel like this has been such a large piece of your life, um, being a doula, being a midwife, I had no idea that you've actually birthed, been there for four to 500 births. That's very awe-inspiring to me in this moment. Mm -hmm. You were there. Um, I'm going to get very tearful Mm -hmm. for one of mine. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I know countless women in this community who you've been. The steady, loving, open, compassionate energy when you're in your most vulnerable place. And there's often so much fear. And I know I had so much fear going into my birth and just having you there by me talking to me in my right ear. I remember mm. it. I can still feel it. Mm. Um was there's no words for how comforting that was. So, would you just talk to us about I you know we could go in a thousand directions with this, but since we're talking about intuition, you know, birth is such a liminal space yes. and it could go in many directions, sometimes hard directions, sometimes beautiful directions, but just what that's like for you to, to consistently show up and live in that in between space with a woman and perhaps her partner and this child. And
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. It was, it was so beautiful to be there with you mm. um, when your little girl came into yeah. the world and yes, I mean, I have to say that's a space that I feel really comfortable in. And you know, I think that what what really, really drew me into birth work was the experience of of giving birth myself. Because I felt, um, and I I had such a a beautiful, skilled midwife who who cared for me, and um, you know, I I never felt fear during my birth. Actually, Um, I, it was super, it was so intense, right? It's the most intense Mm -hmm. experience in the world. Um, But, you know, I remember my midwife just showing me so much love. And, you know, I just knew that, like, she, she was paying attention to all the things that I couldn't pay attention to, because I was in it. And I was like, going into another realm you know, like you go into this whole other space of consciousness during, during childbirth. And um, I actually really liked it there.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was interesting, But it makes <laughs> sense, you right? You, that's yes. where you've lived in that yes. space.
1: I yeah. mean, I just, you know, and I've, it's always been really easy for me to go into altered states of consciousness through meditation, through being with tea, you know, and then giving birth. It was like, whoa, this is this is so cool. Like I Mm -hmm. like being here. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, honestly, you know, I, I felt um, so empowered by that experience. I felt like it helped me to live my life. It helped me to know my strength, Mm -hmm. you know, in ways that I hadn't before. And I wanted to give that to people. I really wanted to give that, especially to people who are marginalized in other ways in the world. Um, But yes, that that liminal space, you know, I found for myself as a birth worker, you know, I started attending people's births, you know, just about a year after my son was born. I became a childbirth educator and then people started asking me to attend their births. And I just found that it was very comfortable for me to go into that space with someone and just be able to be there. To, to be really present. I mean, I think that's part of the key of it is just like being in the present moment, responding to whatever needs are arising right then. And so when I go into that space, everything else just falls away. Mm. So whatever other things might be happening in my life, whatever projects that I'm working on or, I mean, I was in school and um, in as an undergrad and then in grad school for a lot of the time that I was doing birth work. You know, whatever papers I was working on, whatever courses I had to teach, it was like God. all of that is just gone. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're just there in that space with that person. I think there are wonderful birth workers who have never given birth before. Absolutely. And I think for me... Just having that experience myself helped me to know in my body what it felt like to have a grounding, to have a really grounding presence along with me. And so it's just been my my goal to give that to others. Um, I think that probably, you know, my own meditation practice and my own embodiment, you know, practices through the gift of, of yoga and meditation, um, you know, have, have absolutely informed my birth work as well, yeah. because I think that it's really key when you're holding space for other people to not get completely lost in in their experience. And I think that it can be easy as, as a birth worker to sort of merge completely mm. with the, the person that you're with and sort of like completely lose track of oneself and I'm sure that I did that for a while as a birth worker as well. But, you know, through doing that work, have kind of learned to stay within my own groundedness, my own energy. I
0: mm-hmm. feel so key in intuition as well. Yeah. Because I know that you're this highly empathic person too, which means you can merge and you can feel into what other people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. And yet when you do that, it, it does get murkier in terms of what is my intuition, instinctual knowing, or am I picking up on someone else's? So I love that you've really sort of honed Mm -hmm. this capacity to really hold your own Mm -hmm. boundary and be in your own self.
1: Yeah, that was really key in the transition from being a doula to being a midwife. Mm. And so they are different roles. As a doula, you're not doing anything clinical. You're just supporting that person's experience. You're um, supporting their physical needs, their emotional needs as a midwife, you're a clinical care provider. And so you're responsible, you know, for all of the clinical decisions that are being made. Um, And so as a midwife, you know, I, I kind of can't imagine being a midwife in a setting other than a home birth setting. And I mean, I guess this is part of my rebel nature as well. Like I've, (laughs) I've never wanted to work within the medical system. Um, Although I very much appreciate the medical system for what it is and um, my, my ability to work with that system when we need to. But as a midwife with a home birth practice, I get to know people throughout their whole pregnancy. And so by the time they're having their baby, I, we, we have a very strong bond. You know, I've spent an hour at every prenatal visit with them, you know, all like throughout their entire nine months of pregnancy. And so that I think, you know, I think a big part of intuition has to do with patience Mm. and with allowing, allowing for the time and space for things to sort of show themselves to you. Um, Time and space. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, there's so many situations as a midwife when I've had to, you know, make a clinical decision that maybe on paper looks one way, but in my feeling body and as I'm being with this person whose energy I know Mm -hmm. and I'm really familiar with, my intuition is saying, "Mm, okay, things look this way on paper, but in my feeling body and in my relationship in real time with this person, I think there's actually something different going on. Wow. And that's the thing to
0: pay attention
1: to.
2: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: And that you, what I'm, I'm like mind blown right now because what she is doing is she's putting her intuition above her intellect. Yes. And I know you have a highly trained intellect and you're extremely smart, but that the fact that you in those moments always relied more on your feeling body, your intuition, the energy of the person you're working with. How would all of our lives be different? How Exactly If we could live from that space.
2: Yeah. I, I want to honor something. I hope it's okay mm-hmm. um, that I've had the opportunity to work with you mm-hmm. in the last year. And when you talked about how you, Monica has integrated all of these pieces of her. And so I feel like I've kind of had the opportunity to bear witness to some of that in our work together and how you are synthesizing things for kind of your next iteration. So the other thing I want to point out for listeners is intuition is so key when you are in a path of growth Mm. and when you are looking to change, when you're looking to grow, move into a new area of work, whether it's career or family or home, your intuition, there's all sorts of external things out there to tell you, here's how you do it. This is... But working with Monica has been like witnessing someone who takes things in internally processes. Often we have some some space, some quiet Mm -hmm. and the answers just come. Mm -hmm. And I have Mm -hmm. been able to witness that for you and it has been Mm. amazing as a coach. So Mm. I just want to say, I think your intuition, the way you weave it into your life and live from an intuitive place is such a gift to the world. And then also creating the life that you helps you create the
1: life you want when you're tuned into your intuition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, just sit with that for a minute, actually. I really believe that we are all intuitive beings and so much of life these days encourages us to cover that up.
0: Hmm.
1: But I, I don't believe that we have to struggle to connect to our intuition. I think connecting to our intuition is a matter of releasing struggle hmm. and just simply allowing and allowing for the mystery and allowing for the timing of... You know, a time frame greater than our own human intellectual time frame um, to show up. And I, I love how you referenced kind of giving space. And when questions arise, I think in our culture, we expect there to be like, oh, I, I need an instantaneous answer, or I'll just Google it. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't even give ourselves a moment to like, think about Mm -hmm. oh I I knew this thing at one point what was that we just go right away to to google it and there's tremendous value in resisting that that temptation and just giving some time and space letting the answers come um, from within creating time and space for that and you know I really feel strongly that you know you don't have to be a, a monk living in a a monastery or on top of a mountain, you know, or, and just, you know, sit all day and meditate like anybody can connect with their intuition. I mean, I remember, you know, being a single parent of a toddler and just having this ritual every day where I would just sit with a cup of tea. And it was like my five minutes um, in the day, you know, where I would sit with my cup of tea. And that kept me afloat. It kept me, it kept me going. It kept me connected. So, yes, in times of transition, intuition is so important. And in my work as not just a, a midwife, but also as a body worker, I really love helping other people to connect with their own intuition, you know, creating space for that because anybody and everybody can access that. It's our, it's our nature, right? Yeah. I think that's an important thing for listeners.
2: Being intuitive is not... It is a gift we're all born with. It's yes. just not a gift that we all access.
0: Or develop, because or I think there's develop. practice. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think for listeners, it would be helpful to kind of already talk about some of the things Monica's mentioned as ways to enhance intuition. Because you might be listening, thinking right now, well, she's always been intuitive. She was that kid who was mm-hmm. tuned in, and I'm not that way. And um, But you've mentioned some things. So you've mentioned... Meditation. You've mentioned yoga. You've mentioned just being in nature. You've mentioned space. You've mentioned five minutes of tea. You've mentioned trusting. There's like a larger timing and letting yourself align with it. Mm -hmm. Are there other things that you think listeners might benefit in terms of like, how do I really start to tap into this innate gift that we all carry
1: yeah, I mean I think people different people have different ways of connecting to their intuition or hearing their intuition. I think it shows up in different ways for different people. Um for some people, um, dreams are very important, a really important place to connect to that. Um for some people sort of symbolism in the world. Um, right? Like, um I've had many times in life where certain animals have shown up in my world or in my dreams or you know, people sometimes people talk about A particular color always shows up or they see a number, um, things like that. And, you know, I think the I think one of the connecting threads with all of these sort of like ways or methods or techniques of connecting to intuition is um, coming back to curiosity and open mindedness and sort of self-trust. I think that it's easy to say like, oh, well, that's that doesn't mean anything. Or that's just a coincidence, um, and to to just discount um, these ways of knowing that are not rational or intellectual. And in our culture, we've really prioritized the rational and intellectual. Yes. And so it takes a little bit of a mind shift, you know, to think about oh, well, what if this thing that I can't explain? What if what if this means something? Like, what if this is a way? of knowing that is just as as valuable and as valid. So for anyone who is, um, you know, wanting to explore this, and, and we'll be talking about this in our session in Tend Her as well, but for anyone who's wanting to delve more deeply into this, I think that's kind of the first step, is to just get really curious about, mm, what am I picking up on? And could this be a valuable piece of information, right? Because our intuition is you know, it's made up of it's messages from our, our subconscious, it's messages from the things that maybe we're noticing on the periphery that don't make sense in our intellectual mind. Um, but I also don't want to, to talk about intuition as though it's like the opposite of rational and intellectual as well. Like like I don't think there's a duality there. Yeah. I think like we we can work together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can get intuitive messages and, and, Think about them rationally. So, I, I don't mean to, I don't at all want to think about those as opposites. You know, our mind is our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's you. Like, <laughs> it's, it's also
2: describes Monica to a T, right? Mm-hmm. Because you are so studied, you're so intellectual. Yeah. And so intuitive. And you know, such a beautiful those balance. Things. Yes. Thank Which, so you, when I say you walk the walk, you really do. Yeah. Um, and it is
0: not an either or.
2: Yeah, it's both the package
0: and you are the package. Yeah. And something else that she said that I think was so key is that you have developed self trust. And to me, for the first time, I'm hearing this in a new way today. Mm -hmm. That you can be intuitive and be picking up on all these different things around you or internally. But if you don't trust it, if you are mired in self-doubt or, you know, have really been told by people, well-meaning people sometimes, Mm -hmm. that's crazy. Why why do you think that, right? Mm -hmm. You don't trust your instincts. Will you talk about that? Because again, Mm -hmm. that was like a new light bulb moment for me of this feels like such a key piece of really living in intuition is that you have to trust these things that come your way and then as Alicia said last time we talked to her and then act on them
1: Act, yes well and I think I think the self trust part and I think the trusting of the intuition part um, actually has a lot to do with the body and so for me when I know that um, a message that I'm getting is is from my own inner wisdom, you know, from my like, and I think intuition and inner wisdom are really the same thing. You know, it feels calm in my body. Mm. Um, it feels steady in my body. It feels loving and opening in my body. Um, and I think that that is one difference. You know, a lot of people have this question of like, how do I know if something is my inner wisdom or just my inner fear or my inner mental chatter or whatever. (laughs) And like, yes, like we, all of that is there, you know, I have as much mental chatter as everybody. And I think the part of knowing the difference um, for me and for many people is just sitting with how, how those voices um, kind of feel in the body, Mm -hmm. you know, does this feel um, like it's getting me all worked up and, and worried Or does this feel like, oh, okay. And sometimes like the, you know, the intuitive voice can be really um, surprising. And I think actually sometimes that is a a hallmark of of a Mm, true, yes, a true inner wisdom, a true inner knowing is that sometimes a thought will come in that's like, oh, maybe I need (laughs) to do this thing that like, I can't even imagine doing. Like, what is that? But, you know, I'm smiling as I say that, right? Because that it feels exciting and opening in a way, even if it might feel like a little like terrifying if you can't imagine how to do it, but like there's something that feels, um, innovative there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think often our, our intuitive voice wants to give us like innovative ideas. It taps. I think it really taps into your creativity.
2: Yes. Which, again, you're a very creative person, too. But we all are. We all are. We all are. But we we don't all put our creativity out there. We look for the answers externally. We don't always create from within. Mm -hmm. And so I think the intuition can help us access our creative center.
0: Yeah. Would you say intuition, because I love that, too, being a body-based person as well, that um, for you, intuition in the body, does it always feel... Like expansive? Does it feel like how, you know, because you said it could tell you something surprising and it might be a little scary to be like, oh, how am I going to manifest or work this through? But would you say your message from your body is always like an expansive feeling I think probably most of the time
1: although often it for me I feel like a grounded like a real mm-hmm. groundedness which I don't think is not expansive. Yeah. But like if I if I'm getting a message like okay I know that this is true for me or I know that this is what I need to do often I feel like oh, like a settling. Yeah. Thing. Um Sometimes also like a rising, like a rising up. You're
0: touching your belly right now, too. That's really interesting. So it's like gut, right? That gut reaction.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's important. And that's important physiologically. Like we have, you know, the enteric brain, like all of these nervous system cells in the gut. And so that's a really real thing. And, you know, for like, you know, like we were saying, everyone kind of has their own relationship with, how these things feel in their body and so I think self-awareness is another another part of that like how do you trust or how do you know self-awareness about your somatic experience of the world um, and self-knowledge about like your inner mental chatter like what does your inner mental chatter tend to do like if you know that really well well, then, that can be like a really good way of differentiating. Oh, is this a, is this my inner wisdom or my inner mental chatter? Yeah. And then I think another piece of trust, um, which is such a good question. I think the op- the piece of open mindedness and curiosity is a a big key to that too, and of just sort of like allowing for experiences that might be outside of what seems like it makes sense. Um, and what's coming to my mind right now actually is um, one of the first times I I gave Reiki to someone. And um, I was sitting with a friend of mine who is um, who I'm now married to actually. Um, <laughs> John. <laughs> but, he was the first person. Yes. Yeah. I mean, other than in my Reiki training, yeah. you know, he was like the first person out in the world. Oh my um, gosh. And, you know, we were sitting and talking and I asked him if he would like me to give him Reiki. And he was like, well, sure. You know, and like, I mean, you know, we're, like, we're both sort of skeptics of many things in the world, right? Like, I think it's really good to, like, be skeptical. Um, and so I remember, but th- I've always just really loved his open-mindedness as well. And so he was like, well, yeah, sure. I, I don't know what this is, but yeah. And um, so I, you know, I gave him a little Reiki treatment and he was just like, okay, wow. Like, <laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh-huh. I have no idea how this works or what just happened, but that I feel really different. That felt amazing. Uh, thank you. (laughs) And it was like, and the rest is history. history. That's right. Wow. Uh, Yeah, but it was a beautiful experience for me too. You know, because it's like we don't always have to know exactly why or how something is working.
0: And um, Science is limited, right? Like science is amazing. Yes. And intellect is amazing, but we haven't figured everything out yet. So there's like so much mystery.
1: Yes. And I personally love, I mean, like, you know, I've also like taught rhetorical analysis at the university. Like analysis is really important. (laughs) It's really important. (laughs) But there are some things that I feel like. You know, let, there's this beautiful song, actually, by Iris Dement. Do you know it? Yeah, I, well, I know Iris. Which Yes, song? Let the Mystery Be. Yeah, I love that song.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to add that in the show notes, too. Yes. Beautiful local Artist. singer-songwriter.
1: Yes. And, you know, I mean, many people have heard me reference that song because it's just, I, I'm so into that. Like, there's something, like, that's part of what makes life beautiful is that there's a mystery... And we don't always have to figure everything out, and it can be real.
0: What a, I think that's such a beautiful way to close that idea of mystery. And you are one of the most magical, mysterious, (laughs) open, curious, loving, compassionate people I've ever met. And so, yeah, he wants to to say something too. (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 you, your aura.
2: And your, um, openness to the world translates into being open to people. And so your warmth is so authentic. And Mm. and so, yeah, I feel the same way. Just, it's, I love being in your presence, whether it's virtual, like we've been doing (laughs) for so long or in person, um, it comes through. So thank you both so deeply. Mm. Do you want to share with our listeners where they can find more about you and what you're doing now? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so um, you can find me in a couple of places. Um, Instagram, I'm pretty active on Instagram. I mostly post art on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram at Raven and Magnolia. And that is my web address too, ravenandmagnolia.com.
2: And then, Monica, can you share with us any upcoming programs that you might have that people mm. would be interested in?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have a couple things upcoming. Um, I am working on translating some of my midwifery experience into a nine month long uh, sort of personal rebirthing program. I really believe that we can tap into our own intuition and the things that we are birthing and creating in our lives when we have support for that. Um, I think that's so, so necessary to have that sort of witness um, from someone who kind of knows how to live in the liminal and knows how to work with people, walk with people through times of change. And so that is um, something that I'm developing right now. I do have a wait list for that for people who are interested um, and you can sign up for that on my website. And I also have a winter program um, called Tending the Light, and Ooh, that, that light. is um, yeah, it's a su- it's a supportive program for the winter months um, to sort of help people make the most out of this time of darkness, tending tending your own inner light um, through the darkness of the winter. So that goes from uh, winter solstice through spring. Equinox and it's uh, mind-body practices, guided meditations, um, journal prompts to support people through that time. And I, I created that because I really need that. Um, mm-hmm. I really need that kind of support in that time of year. And both of, both of those programs are very earth-based. they're very cyclically based. Um, and you know as we connect to the earth, you know I think that helps us to connect to our, our true selves to our intuition.
0: They both sound lovely. And I would encourage anyone who is sort of having a sense that you're facing a change um, and you're looking for, I mean, just having Monica at one of my births, there's this, like she's coach slash um, compassionate nurturer slash when the going gets tough, she's in there talking <laughs> you through, right? So it's this, like, she's this beautiful, I mean, really, as I'm saying it, you're this beautiful balance of the masculine and the feminine, right? A really gorgeous balance. And so any of you who are facing some big shift and know you, know you want to birth into someone else or something else in your life, go check out Monica's Stuff yes. Raven and
1: magnolia.com. Yes. I also offer um, Reiki sessions as well. And I've been integrating artwork into my Reiki sessions. Um, so I will create a, a custom piece based on uh, what happens in the healing session as a touchstone for um, you know for that healing. So that's a thing people can look into as yeah. well I have I patient. have a
0: picture that she made for me that I'm going to put in the show notes because it sits on my desk. It's a owl and it's it's these beautiful colors and it came through during the Reiki session, and um, it does feel like a touchstone. I look at that picture often, so I'll put that in our notes as well, just so people get a sense mm. of uh, what you might receive. Clearly, it will be different because different things come yeah. through, but um, it's it's neat.
1: I have a, a small gallery up. Um, oh, you do on, on your website. website. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think that. That, thank thank that you. one's up.
0: Yay. Go yeah, go check out her work. You can buy some of her beautiful paintings and. Yeah, I get so drawn into all of her work. It is it is magical, for sure. Thank Magic you. just sums up. Magic exudes from <laughs> ma- magical Monica. <laughs> we love you, Monica. Yeah, Thank I'm you. Lucky. I love you both
2: so
1: much. Thank you. Thank you.
2: And now the amazing singer-songwriter Lissy
0: Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.